Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Coffee with a friend is like capturing joy in a cup. Welcome to the Coffee with Jenny B podcast, hosted by Jenny B, a lover of all things coffee. Each week, Jenny will chat about connecting over coffee, what brings her joy, and everything in between. A lot can happen over coffee, so grab a cup, sit back, and enjoy. Now, here's your host, Jenny B. Hello and welcome to the show. I think that I've been involved in fitness for most of my life. You know, high school, I played high school sports. And then later on in my 20s, I discovered running. And so I did that for a number of years. And I'm happy to say that it's always made me feel strong, you know, very fit. But what's interesting about my fitness journey, so to speak, is that it's been mostly focused on cardio. Now, I know I've I've done a little bit of strength training throughout the years, but nothing consistently. And you know what's interesting is that as you get older, your body starts to sag. I mean, it's it's gravity and you lose muscle tone and it's really hard to get that muscle tone back, especially for women. You know, you think about the turkey wings, you know, the, the triceps that aren't really very strong. And you think about active daily living because, you know, picking up your grandchild or carrying bags of groceries, cardio is good for your heart, but it's not going to help with those. And so it's important for everyone, well, especially women, to make sure that they are strength training and all round fitness, cardio as well. I mean, it's an important part of it as well, but strength training, you know, when you think about losing weight, resting muscles, you know, the more muscle tone you have, the more calories you're burning. I know it sounds like a crazy concept because if you think about doing all that cardio, it's like, well, I must be burning all these calories. Yeah, you are in the moment, but is it consistent? And so I have a special guest, who is going to be talking about, first of all, the importance of strength training for women, but for everyone, you know, because it is important for everyone to make sure that they are setting themselves up for success, you know, because we want to live a long and healthy and fit life. So my guest is Shauna Muldrew. She is the owner of Infinity Health Coaching. Now, they specialize in nutrition counseling, fitness training, weight loss programs, and wellness coaching. And their three pillars are nutrition, fitness, and wellness. Please help me welcome Shauna. Hey, Shauna. Hi. So great to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm really excited to be here and chat about uh, all things health and wellness. Wonderful. Now, before we go on, I just want to mention how you and I met. It was at a um, women's wellness event that was put on by Andrea Cates and yourself. And 
I have to say is such a wonderful event because it had absolutely everything. So we had you talking about fitness and demonstrating different fitness moves. And let me tell you, I thought it was pretty fit, but I was pretty winded and we didn't do it for very long. (laughs) You know, and then Andrea was talking about nutrition. And then I think you had Barb Bottle who did a little bit of yoga. And so it was just a well-rounded event. But I learned so much. I mean, I thought I, I knew a little bit about fitness and nutrition and whatnot, but some of the stats that you were sharing um, made me really set up and, and pay attention and think, you know, I need to get back into strength training. So before we dive into all of that, how did you get started in the fitness world? I would say I, I've been pretty active uh, my entire life. Um, you know, I played sports as a child. And, you know, throughout all of school, um, you know, I finished um, grade 12 athlete of the year status. So that was, you know, a goal of mine. And in high school was my very first experience with working with my own personal trainer. And that motivation came from wanting to win the athlete of the year award in grade 12. So I disciplined myself to to work with a trainer and start learning the fundamentals at about 17 years of age and just was always very naturally interested in it. And then as I got into uh, young adulthood, I, I still went to the gym here and there. My 20s was a little bit rocky with uh, some of my life choices, which I'm, I'm sure we'll, we, we may talk about today. But yeah, fitness was just it's it's been ingrained in me um, as, a, as a passion. And so it was uh, in my mid 30s that I uh, was able to turn that passion into a career. Um, I had worked in the fitness industry before I launched my own company um, a little over five years ago. And uh, yeah, worked at one of the bigger uh, gyms here in, in Winnipeg for about six years in, you know, in, in management um, before I took the plunge and, and launched Infinity. So yeah, and here I am. That's an amazing journey of fitness that you've had from when, you know, talking about in school and then being in management and, you know, I guess taking everything you learned uh, at the big gym and then pouring it into your own business. And I'm sure that that's helped you establish yourself. And I mean, five years is is actually a pretty good run for your own fitness business. Mm -hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. Now, tell me about the qualifications that you've had, because I'm sure it hasn't been an easy journey getting that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, when I was in my 20s, I had studied kinesiology and applied health as well as business at uh, the University of Winnipeg for uh, several years. And then I decided to pursue a career in, you know, in management and leadership. Um, and that was always, you know, something that um, I was naturally good at. And then I, I discovered I needed to, um, you know, up my game with a little bit more, you know, knowledge and certification with uh, what I really wanted to do. So I had became a registered health coach and nutrition counselor. So I got my diploma in that. And previous to that, when I was working at the gym, you know, that was six years of pretty intensive training, ongoing training and, and courses. And that environment was, was very big on, on ongoing training. So there was a lot that I had learned during that time being in the industry. And there's a lot to be said too, about my own personal fitness journey and, you know, all of, all of the things that I've learned throughout going through this experience uh, personally, 
um, as well. So uh, yeah, so there's been, and, and I think uh, I just made the decision uh, just recently to uh, add another certification to my list. And I, uh, I'm going to be specializing in becoming a certified strength and conditioning coach, which is a, a new goal of mine. So that's, that's upcoming. Wow. I'm just fascinated by the way that you're putting it all together in terms of combining and weaving in nutrition and fitness and wellness, because it really does all flow together. It's not just nutrition is its own silo and then fitness and wellness, because they all complement each other, don't they? They do. And, you know, when I was coming up with my business concept, that was a big gap that I noticed was you have a very saturated industry of fitness coaches and personal trainers. And then you have nutritionists. And, you know, even as a health coach, a holistic health coach, they don't provide formal training with the fitness side of things. So it's actually very, you know, it's not as common to find uh, a coach and somebody who specializes in all domains of wellness and to be able to put it together, you know, and, and for us at Infinity, you know, that's, that's the experience that we provide is all of those pillars together, which, you know, in turn provides better results for, you know, for people. When I was on your website, your staff, uh, they're, except for, is it Chelsea that does the boot camp? Vanessa and Cheyenne. All right, Vanessa and Cheyenne, okay, do the boot camp. But everyone else has the title of health coach listed, whether they're doing yoga or mental wellness or whatever, it's a health coach. And I love that designation because health is it's not just nutrition, it's not just mental or physical, it's, it's basically everything. And so a health coach then provides you what you need depending on what is perhaps lacking or perhaps what you're looking to achieve for yourself. Yeah, very much. It really encompasses the, you know, holistic approach that we take, but in a very personalized way too, because when it comes to health and wellness and helping individuals, it's, it's not black and white. So as a health coach, you know, we recognize you know, what people need on a case by case basis and, you know, tailor our experience to them um, based around that. So that's an important consideration as well. I want to bring up the topic of intermittent fasting just for a second, because one of your Instagram posts, you posted about intermittent fasting and there were a few comments that people did not agree. And, and, you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion, but they didn't agree that, intermittent fasting was the right thing to do. Now, the reason I I bring that up is, so I'm an instructor at Pace and I teach effective oral communications. And one of my students was doing a presentation on health and fitness. And her topics that she was going to talk about was nutrition, fitness, and then intermittent fasting. And my comment to her was, well, is intermittent fasting really part of the whole health and wellness And she was able to defend that position by saying, well, I've done intermittent fasting for the last three years and it's worked well for me. But I tried it once and I kind of stuck with it for a bit and it's like, oh, you know what? It's just too much work. So tell us about your thoughts on that. I'm so excited to talk about this. Um, and, <laughs> and you're right, like somebody is always going to say, well, no, this is not good or this is not right. And case in point that it's not black and white and intermittent fasting is not going to be for everybody. And you are talking to somebody who was very closed off to the idea that intermittent fasting 
would ever work for for someone like me. You know, I've lived my life um, constantly grazing and thinking I needed to be eating all the time. And also, you know, somebody who struggled with evening snacking like most of us and, you know, was notorious for eating before bed. And the comments you might be referring to when I had just scratched the surface and had posted about a couple of key things that I had implemented in 2022 and intermittent fasting being one of them, I hadn't provided at that time any details as to what that actually entailed. And the thing about intermittent fasting, like a lot of things, you know, when it comes to how we approach our health is that there are different ways to do it. And, you know, when people think about fasting, I think a lot of us think about the extreme not eating for days on end. And, you know, that is extreme and that is restrictive. And, you know, that is one of several different approaches you could do. But for me and what we practice at Infinity and what I believe in and what works for our clients and what works for me personally and what I continue to educate myself on is, you know, ways to do things that are sustainable. What is sustainable? What is manageable in your lifestyle? So that was the approach that I took with intermittent fasting because there's three main kinds. The time-restricted fasting is what I had, uh, and I'll talk about that a little bit, you know, and that's where we simply set a cutoff time where we, you know, we give ourselves, let's say, an eight-hour window to eat, and then we fast for 16. Um, and then it doesn't even have to be 16, 12 to 16 hours, um, over an overnight fast essentially is usually enough to achieve the benefits that fasting is designed to do. Now, if you are exploring with a different type of fasting, such as modified fasting, where you cut calories and you eat 25% of the calories you normally do, but you do that for several days. I mean, for me, only eating 500 calories a day for several days on end is, it seems pretty restrictive. And same with alternate day fasting, which is another approach where you eat for 24 hours and then you fast for 24 hours. So you're essentially going without any food for an entire day. And again, for me and my lifestyle, that's extreme and that's restrictive. So I wasn't even prepared to explore with that. But the time restricted fasting where I set my own window of time where I, you know, where I eat. And for me, it was anywhere between 12 and 16 hours I would fast. That was really manageable. The reason why I did this, again, I didn't think at the time I was a, a candidate for intermittent fasting, despite the fact that when I became a, you know, a, a registered health coach, I did in fact learn about this and the benefits. It's not a fad diet. It's been around for centuries. And the benefits are so like far beyond weight loss, because when you Google it right now, you know, you like you Google inter intermittent fasting, it is attached with weight loss, weight loss, this lose this. And, and that's all that people are thinking about. But the benefits are so beyond that, you know, in terms of energy and, and hormone balance and giving our digestive system the rest that it needs to recover, to be able to function optimally. You know, if we're constantly bogging our system down with food and we're, we're constantly eating, you know, our, we burn 10% of the calories we burn is from our digestive system working so hard internally to take in the calories, to break them down and to you distribute them and use them as our body needs. And that takes a lot of energy. So if we're constantly eating, we're going to wear ourselves down and our metabolism might become sluggish and we might feel tired. You know, this is all happening inside. We can't see it, but it's it's pretty powerful stuff. So fasting, you know, in terms of that 
boost of energy from the rest that we give ourselves that we need. That's the only benefit I need. If I can up my energy a little bit, I need a lot of energy. You know, I'm a busy single mom running a business, you know, and so I'm going to do it. So, so I experimented with fasting. I thought a lot of my clients would be really good candidates for intermittent fasting. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts lately. I've been researching and been learning a lot more about intermittent fasting um, and hearing a lot of experts talk about it, specifically the benefits for women who could be experiencing challenges, uh, you know, through the natural aging process. So hormone imbalance, perimenopause, menopause. And I kept hearing about this, kept hearing these experts talk intermittent fasting, intermittent fasting, intermittent fasting. So I said, okay, I put myself through the ringer. I'm my own guinea pig. So I can speak to my personal experience as well. So I, I, I decided to try it for 30 days. I was blown away, Jenny. I did a 12 to 16 hour fast about five days a week. It wasn't like a seven day a week thing. You know, I gave myself a little bit of flexibility to make it sustainable. And so the two biggest changes I had to make for my lifestyle was I first off had to set a cutoff time at night. I thought, okay, well, if I, if I want to eat by nine 30 the next morning or 10, I have to set my cutoff time around six 30 at night. So that, you know, that was actually easier than I thought. And a big realization I had with that was, yeah, like, I don't actually need to eat at night. Why am I eating? Food is energy. Food is energy. And we don't need energy before bed. We're going to sleep. If anything, it's going to disrupt our sleep. So that was easier than I thought to set that cutoff time. And then the other thing that I was scared about was doing my workouts fasted. And the reason being was that I had previously... Uh, you know, had a couple of episodes at the gym where I, I would I would always eat before my workouts. And I experienced a few times where I went to the gym, had something, you know, like a banana or some oatmeal, something, something carb, like carb heavy usually. And I had gotten dizzy and weak and shaky. And I, I had to cut my workout short. There was a couple of times. And, and at the time I thought, oh, see, I didn't eat enough. I didn't eat enough and now I'm crashing. And so after going through all of these fasted workouts and never feeling so good and energetic and strong and never making so much progress as I have in these last few months on fasted workouts, I realized it was a big aha moment for me because I realized in retrospect, it wasn't the lack of food, wasn't the volume of food that was my issue. It was the type of food. It was a blood sugar crash because of my choices. You know, I was eating bananas, right? Like oats, uh, fruit, like those were my go-tos. And they were, you know, the symptoms I was experiencing that at the time I thought was because of not eating enough were actually just my blood sugar coming down from, you know, having, having spiked it from things like bananas. <laughs> so it was such an interesting discovery for me. And you know what? So, so I, I said, I'm going to do this for 30 days. I, I just, I felt so good, more energy. And it wasn't just physical, my, you know, ability to concentrate my clarity, my mood, it was just an all around shift for me. And, you know, that doesn't happen that often when we're trying to change our habits where we have these like wow, this is like immediately so beneficial. I mean, for me, I live a healthy lifestyle already. The fact that I, you know, I've, I felt so incredible from this, this change, you know, is just, I'm still blown away by it. So that was, 
That was about four months ago. I had committed to doing this for 30 days. Well, I'm still doing it four months later and it's stuck and it's stuck right away because of those benefits. So yeah, I would say that intermittent fasting is is something that a lot of people should try and maybe it's not for you, but I thought that it wasn't going to be for me and, and boy, was I wrong. You know, I find your journey very interesting because, well, first of all, you were a little bit of a, of a skeptic at first thinking, well, how is this going to work for me? Do I have to change my entire lifestyle and, you know, single mom, kids and, you know, business and so on. But you were able to find a way of making it work for you. And part of that is because, well, first of all, you committed yourself to 30 days. It's like, okay, I'm doing this for 30 days. It's an experiment. If it works, great. If it doesn't work, at least I tried. But four months later, you're still doing it and you're talking about the benefits. And you're right. People think that it is just for weight loss. But what you were saying in terms of hormone balance and all the rest of it, I have a friend, her name is Sylvia, and uh, on Instagram, she goes by Sassy with Style. And her um, account is about menopause and midlife. And she's also a big proponent of fasting, not just fasting, but intermittent fasting and how it helps women in menopause, so perimenopause and in menopause, and then in midlife and how that helps with that hormone balance. Because when you think about all the symptoms and not everybody experiences the symptoms, but you know, the hot flashes and the, you know, insomnia and you know, even your skin breaking out and all the rest of it that I call it the menopot, you know, your little, little tummy <laughs> that, <laughs> and you're not changing anything, but all of a sudden you've got this little visitor and it stays with you. And it's like, what the heck is this? But the fact that, you know, intermittent fasting can help with that. I was getting into the bad habit of drinking red wine every night, having a glass of wine with dinner. Sometimes depending on the situation, I'll have a second glass. Not every night. I don't want people to think that, you know, <laughs> I've got a drinking problem. But, you know, like sometimes you feel like, oh, you know, that, that glass of wine was really good and, you know, I'm going to have another one. So a glass of red wine, a five-ounce glass of red wine is 130 cal- no, 122 calories. So 122 calories for a glass of wine that is basically sugar and basically empty calories. And so I was able to eliminate that from my diet and realize that, you know what? I don't even miss it. You know, because before it's like, oh, what if I can't have red wine ever? And it's not that I can't have it ever, but I can have it Saturday, let's say, if I'm going out for dinner, I'll have a glass of red wine and I'm okay with that. But I don't need it every night. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, I think that's a good segue into the topic of alcohol and the new national guidelines. Um, I know that you heard me uh, talk about that, actually. I just uh, posted a little vlog on on these guidelines. So yeah, if, if you'd like, we can, we can dive into that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Let's do that. I'll just talk about, well, the national guidelines, what they, what they are and why they were decided. Previous to this new information, I think a, a lot of us, we were under... Um, the notion that you know having that one or two glasses of wine a day was actually acceptable in a lot of in a lot of cases it was encouraged um, you know and I know there's been a lot of you know blogs or articles that 
have suggested in the past that there was in fact health benefits to drinking, you know, um, every single day. Um, I think that's, you know, been discredited and, you know, with these new guidelines in, in mind, you know, the, the new baseline for what's acceptable doesn't exceed two drinks a week, not a day. So it's significantly less than we were under the impression of being normal, you know, from before. So, so one to two drinks a week would put you at low risk for, for health issues. And that was the whole, you know, driving motivation for creating these guidelines was, um, you know, how it correlated with your health risks, you know, things like liver disease, diabetes, uh, heart disease, cancer, um, you know, a whole host of, of health concerns. And there was a lot of research done, a lot of peer reviewed studies, a lot, a lot of time um, spent on, on coming up with these guidelines. And ultimately, you know, one to two drinks is, or zero to two drinks, you know, maybe it's not none at all for some people, um, you know, is, is something we don't really want to exceed if we want to stay in really good health and, and, you know, have that longevity. Now, beyond that, though, three to five drinks will put you at that medium risk category for health risks. And then it was seven drinks or more per week puts you at a high risk of health issues. So very interesting information. And I think it sheds a lot of light and hopefully we'll create awareness for people that want to take it seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, really good information. But I, when I think about the uh, Canada food guide, when it came out and it was, it was a little different and it made quite a number of changes as well that people weren't expecting. And and I think for some people, it was really hard to, to really take those changes to heart and, and started thinking, well, how is this going to affect me and how can I get on board with what they're suggesting. So similar to the guidelines for how much you should drink during a week and zero to two actually makes sense, you know, given what you've talked about in terms of health concerns. But also I find that as you get older, it's harder on your body. And not just that, but the other day I had a glass of wine. I think it was maybe a glass and a half or something. And then the next day I woke up and I had such a bad headache. And I thought to myself, well, this is crazy. I don't need to feel crappy in the morning where I have to take Advil because I had some wine the night before. And I thought, well, why am I doing this to myself? And so that's when I made a decision that, you know what, I don't need to have a glass of wine. It's not even a need. Nobody needs to have wine. You know, it's basically a want, you know, like I want to have a bag of chips or ice cream or, you know, and we all have triggers, you know, you've had a bad day at work, you've had a fight with your, your significant other you're stressed for whatever reason. And your first thought in your head is like, I I need to fill this something, you know, so you grab a drink or you grab a bag of chips or you, you know, eat a pint of, you know, Haagen-Dazs. And so the trigger is a thought. And I thought is like, I need to do this. And then the action is you actually do it. And then the consequence is you either feel bloated or you feel guilty or you beat yourself up because you know what, why did I do this? And Sometimes if you are on a weight loss journey, it's like, you know what, forget it. I just blew my diet and I, I, I might as well just forget about going on. And so it's interesting when you think about that trigger. So instead of grabbing the glass of wine or the bag of chips, maybe the action or the thought is, I need to do something. Let's go for a walk. Let's go for a workout. You know, let's clean the house or <laughs> whatever it is to get out of that. And it eliminates that need of like, I need 
this glass of wine. No, I don't need this glass of wine. I can have it if I want, but do I really want it? You know, so it's making those choices of what we need to do. So what's your thought on that whole process of the trigger thought action consequence? You're right. And everyone experiences stress, right? So so the triggers are never going to go away. We're always going to, you know, have life always, you know, throws things at us, whether it's a long day or, you know, there's so many things that will will create that, you know, that that need to deal with, to cope with stress. It's a coping mechanism, right? And whether it's, you know, something to do to take a boxing class, take out some aggression, right? Or take a yoga class to calm your nerves. You know, there's lots of healthy ways to, to cope with it. So, but yeah, a lot of us use use those, you know, maybe less health conscious ways of coping, you know, with those everyday life stresses. And, you know, that unfortunately can lead to, uh, you know, a lot of issues. Um, So I think one of the things that is really, really important to acknowledge is mindfulness, first of all. So when we go for, you know, the, the snacks or the, the, the alcohol or, or whatever it is, a lot of the times we're acting on impulse and we're not thinking things through. We're taking a really reactive response in that moment. Um, So we're not thinking about that consequence you talked about. We're just seeking pleasure in the moment. And that is, I think, human nature. We want results now. (laughs) That's also why people are impatient with their health and fitness journeys, but that's another conversation. Um, So when we look at things like, yeah, like going to, and that's why a lot of people will use the term mindless eating. Um, because we're not thinking about it. So I think there's a lot of power in being mindful of your choices and thinking things through to the end. Because a lot of us don't do that. We just act. We act, we don't think. And usually, you know, there's even less thought, you know, to the process, the more stressed we are. Um, So, you know, being mindful and thinking things through is going to be powerful in and of itself. And the second thing is, okay, so you realize, you acknowledge that you're seeking, you know, um, a stress release, you're seeking, you know, a way to relax, you're, you're seeking pleasure, right? But you're, you're resorting to the things that will end up making you feel worse in the long run. So we need to replace those things with healthy solutions, with healthy alternatives. So that's where, you know, you, you have to explore with you know, things like, and, and this is going to be different for everybody. Like for me, my number one is exercise. I exercise first and foremost, you know, to manage my stress and my mental health. And that keeps me in check for the day. And if I don't get it in, you know, I, I'm more susceptible to probably making worse choices or to be more cranky or tired or, or whatever. So, so that's, you know, that's my healthy coping mechanism. And, and, you know, I used to drink a great deal. And, you know, if you want to talk about that, we definitely can. And I replaced those unhealthy habits of, you know, drinking alcohol and using food and fast food and late night, you know, um, mindless scrolling on my phone or, you know, compromised bedtime habits, you know, all that stuff I've experienced. And, you know, through a lot of practice, a lot of mindfulness and a lot of patience, I've been able to make that shift to use those healthy coping strategies to replace my bad habits I, I previously had. 
Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundle, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. You specialize in nutrition counseling. So let's pretend that I come to see you and I want to make changes in my life and I'm not quite sure where to start. So how would you start the process and sort of walk me through what you would provide me in terms of tools and uh, resources? Yeah. I mean, the first thing that we do is we start with a comprehensive health assessment. Um, I mentioned, you know, everybody is so different in, you know, their lifestyle, their goals, what they need, what they're going to respond to. So this first information gathering process is a crucial step for us so that we actually have the information we need to properly create something that's tailored for the individual. It's very far from that, you know, automated cookie cutter plan that's very, you know, accessible online. So, um, so we take the time um, to, to get to know somebody and, and, and that's, that's the big, that's the, the starting point. So we can begin to come up with a, you know, a program now, depending on the client, um, you know, if you're someone who is starting from scratch and has a lot of areas to improve on, it's a slow process. One thing that's really important that, you know, that that we try to instill in our clients is that you can't change everything all at once. That's just not the way it works. And, and even if you can, it's going to be temporary because it's so overwhelming to, you know, check off 10 boxes a day. It's really difficult. So when it comes to, you know, healthier habits, you know, we usually start with the fundamentals. You know, we're not going to get crazy and make you do five hit workouts a week. And, you know, and get you on a really restrictive diet, because again, that's just not going to work. We're going to start with the basics. Like, are you drinking enough water? Are you eating vegetables and protein almost every time you eat? You know, are you getting enough steps in, in a day? So it's, it's baby steps, right? To answer your question, it depends, but, you know, we, we definitely start with the fundamentals because if you don't have a strong foundation, then nothing else is going to fall into place for very long. And with that process, and it sounds like a, a very comprehensive process where you write it's baby steps and everybody's different. And so that would lead to then personalized waste, weight loss programs, correct? Yes, that's exactly right. We provide a customized nutrition and lifestyle program for every single client, which not only provides, you know, a, a meal plan that you know, is tailored to the individual, but a lot of supporting information that goes along with it so that somebody can actually follow it well. We break down macronutrients, we provide ideal caloric intake ranges, we calculate basal and active metabolic rate, we provide specific meals as well as more flexible options. We have a food and fitness app with hundreds of recipes that align with, you know, these these meal options. There's lots of different options and resources that go along with our plan. I love it. And there's another post that you had the other day that you were talking about the soup that you made for yourself. And Soup can be, well, first of all, very filling. 
And it kind of checks all the boxes. Well, it depends on the kind of soup, of course. If you're eating clam chowder, maybe not so much. But if you're using eating a broth-based soup or one with lots of vegetables and chicken and very, very hearty, you know, even offering something like barley or or even noodles. I mean, you know, there are noodles that are that are actually quite healthy, you know. So it's making those healthy choices and not feeling that you're depriving yourself of anything. I think that's a, a really big disconnect is that, you know, a lot of people still think that achieving their health goals is a is going to be a really grueling, punishing process where you have to eat rest, in a restrictive way and it's only going to be bland, boring food. And that is so far from the truth. And the, the key missing piece to this is simply being able to think outside the box a little bit and knowing how to create recipes that aren't going to be overly complicated and provide so much nutrition, but also that taste amazing. It, and it's, impo- it's, it's entirely possible. In fact, that's, you know, that's a, that was a huge driving motivation of, of what, you know, prompted me to want to create the app that provides these recipes because they hit all the marks in terms of, you know, simple easy, family-friendly, really nutritious, but they also taste awesome, you know? So yeah, just getting a little creative sometimes is the trick. And and a lot of people don't know how to do that, but that's again, where we as health coaches will come in to provide some of those ideas and prompts and tools that, you know, our clients can use to help them themselves. So tools like, for instance, uh, instead of using a lot of salt, because, you know, sodium can be bad for our health if, if we use too much. So instead of salt, offering options like here are some herbs that you can use or pepper or hot sauce if you like it a little spicy. So are those some of the tools that you you offer, like sort of tips and tricks? As a matter of fact, what you just described is one of, you know, several pages of our supporting documents that go along with any custom meal plan, how to flavor your food in a healthy (laughs) way that's not going to hinder your progress with all those extra sauces and marinades and dips and dressings that are loaded with the stuff we actually want to limit. There are plenty of ways to really pack a punch to our food without actually adding any calories at all, as well as, you know, limiting things like salt and sugar and, you know, and oil and things like that. Let's talk about sugar for a second, because I've heard people refer to sugar as more addictive than cocaine, actually, in a sense that it's it's really hard to eliminate sugar from our diets because it's in everything. So what are your thoughts on that? My thoughts are that I I also have read the physiological response our bodies go through and how sugar is a highly addicting ingredient substance, so much so that it can be comparable to certain drugs. And I, I believe that wholeheartedly. If you're somebody who has, you know, eats added sugar, and we'll talk about that because I'd like to, to differentiate added sugar versus natural sugar, but, um, you know, added sugar refined sugar that's, you know, in a lot of processed foods, you know, often will trigger that, you know, physiological response to want more and more. And that's where cravings come in. And that's where mindless eating comes in and overeating, because it's really addicting, and it's really hard to control ourselves. And it, you know, becomes a very vicious cycle. So added sugar is, yes, absolutely something that we want to limit, not just, you know, for the, it is, yes, it's addicting, but it's, you know, the, the health issues that it comes attached with 
you know, diabetes, insulin resistance, and, and a whole host of other health issues that, you know, can lead to a really tough life down the road. Uh, you know, there's a lot to be said about how added sugar plays a large role in that. And then as far as natural versus added, so let's just talk about that for a second, because, um, you know, on the other side of, of things, I remember hearing about things like, well, don't eat strawberries, don't eat carrots, there's sugar in those. That's bad. <laughs> and it just drives me crazy when people say things like this, because there are also like, and yes, there's some, there's some naturally occurring sugar in fruits and vegetables. They are a carbohydrate, you know, a simple carbohydrate. And there are, there is going to be a little bit of sugar in most of those fruits and vegetables. However, they are also the most nutrient dense foods on the planet for us that come attached with fiber and vitamins and minerals and antioxidants, you know, and all of the, all of the amazing things our body needs that will actually offset the fact that, you know, we're taking in a little bit of the natural stuff. So, so people should be less concerned about, you know, the fruit, the sugar and fruits and vegetables and more concerned about the sugar that they're taking in from processed foods and that are not naturally occurring. And if people are curious to know about, you know, what that shouldn't exceed, you know, we don't actually want to be taking in more than about 25 grams of added sugar every single day. And to give you some perspective on that, a can of Coke or a can of Pepsi has 39 to 42 grams of added sugar. So in that one can of pop that already far exceeds what we should be taking in for an entire day. So it's no wonder why we are experiencing an epidemic of type 2 diabetes and obesity and, you know, everything else that, that's going on. It's in our food in excess. And unfortunately, it's because it is addicting. It's hard. It's very difficult to, you know, to, to control and to limit it. Very interesting. I didn't realize that there was so much sugar in a can of Coke. I mean, it's not surprising, but I also didn't realize that it was 25 grams of added sugar that you shouldn't exceed per day. So it's not very much at all, is it? Yeah. If you were to convert that to how many calories, so sugar is a carbohydrate, which contains uh, four calories per gram. So that's about a hundred calories of added sugar per day. So about 5% of our total calories. Hmm. Okay. So a couple of chocolate chip cookies, a donut. I'm, I'm sure a donut was would definitely exceed the 25 grams of sugar. I mean, depending on the donut, yeah, it definitely <laughs> could. But, you know, one thing that I do is I have a crazy sweet tooth, but I don't, I don't consume added sugar. I just, you know, I do healthy baking, you know, in my own kitchen and, um, and there's, there's options like you want to, you also want to be careful about artificial sweetener because that's also not good and terrible for gut health. And, and it's the lesser of two evils if you're trying to lose weight, but it's not healthy by any means. Um, however, there's things like stevia, which is a natural sweetener that, uh, from, you know, what we know about it so far is, is definitely a reasonable option. But, you know, when you have control over doing, you know, a lot of the cooking and the baking yourself, then you know what's going in your food. So that can empower you to make better decisions versus eating out all the time or, or purchasing processed foods all the time and not looking at the food labels. So it's, I realize a lot of people, you know, see it as a time constraint, um, but 
you know, it can actually save you a lot of time in the long run. If you spend a little time in the kitchen and do batch cooking and batch baking, um, you know, I have a whole stockpile of things like pancakes and muffins and bars in my freezer that don't have any added sugar and taste amazing. Um, and it's, you know, it's ready to go for my daughter and I. So there's, there's definitely ways around it. And it's also saving you a lot of money because when you think about buying processed foods or, or eating out, and you can't always control what the food is made in. So you don't know if there's added oil or butter or sugar or salt or who knows, you know. And let's talk about foods that are considered, well, first of all, it's processed food that say low fat or low sugar. But if it says low fat, it means that there's something that has to compensate for the lack of fat. And that's probably sugar, right? Yeah, it's really tricky because there's millions of dollars in the food industry that go into marketing and food labels and how food is packaged. And a lot of food packaging is intentionally designed to mislead you into thinking it's healthy. You know, and we have to be very careful because the other problem, too, is that these claims like low fat or will help you lose weight or, you know, will boost your energy. It's unregulated. You know, a lot of a lot of these, you know, these health claims, it's very unregulated. And, you know, like you said, you know, if something is low fat, then it's it's going to be low fat. But what else is in there that's still making it taste good and want, you know, making you want more of it? It's yeah, it's likely got, you know, it's got other other things we want to be careful about. So that's why, you know, it's important to read the food labels. Um, first off, understand like what it's telling you. And if I could offer a couple of just basic suggestions for anyone who might want a starting point, you know, when you're looking at the food labels, less is more when it comes to the ingredients. So you want to try to seek out because not all processed food is created equal to, right? You know, there's there's really highly processed foods and there's, you know, like a bag of rice is technically processed. We buy it in a bag. It's somewhat processed, but it's, it's still a really nutritious option versus a pizza pop, which is something we want to monitor and has a whole whack of ingredients. Doritos has 32 ingredients, most of which are unrecognizable. So stick with foods that have the least amount of ingredients as possible that you hopefully recognize, you know, their, their name. Because if you don't, it's likely, you know, something that may not be good for you or we might might not need. Um, and also know that, you know, when the ingredients are being listed on food labels, the list of ingredients starts with what is most prominent in the product. So if you're reading the ingredients list and the first or the second ingredient is sugar, you're probably going to want to avoid it because that product is made primarily of sugar. So, you know, it's in order of volume is how it, how that works. So, yeah. So just, I mean, not knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. And so make informed decisions by simply just looking and trying to read and trying to understand would, would be a really good way to, to get better at that. And you're absolutely right. Uh, knowledge is power and it's understanding. And, and I always wondered why certain foods were listed in certain order. And that makes sense that it's the, mo the most volume. So if sugar is either one or two, it means there's a lot of sugar in that product versus, you know, if it's, if it's water and say chicken first, and then, you know, sugar somewhere down below, you know, maybe not so bad, but 
still it's, you know, the less ingredients, the better, because then you know you're getting something that's more wholesome and less processed, so to speak. So tell us about this app. I'm intrigued about the food and the fitness and everything that else goes along with it. So tell us about that. Sure. Yeah. So um, about three years ago, I began a project with Red River College and I worked with them for two semesters. And, you know, I submitted an an application to work with the team there and, and they take on these pilot projects with local small businesses and my application got approved. So I started working with the students on this web application. And so they took, we they built it from scratch with, you know, my guidance and, and the whole concept was, you know, to provide a platform that aligned with our, my business concept. So, you know, not only recipes, but, you know, support with fitness. We actually just recently added a, you know, a wellness tracking feature on it, which I'm really excited about, but there are, you know, essentially hundreds of different recipes that are nutritious, delicious, simple, family friendly, the whole bit. There are exercise videos and tutorials. So things like very much mostly strength training based. Um, So how to maximize your results through good form and you know, and, and making progress with that. So it's pretty well-rounded, you know, between the food, the fitness, the general wellness tracking. So this is something, you know, as an infinity client, you have free access to for the whole duration of your program, but you can definitely, if you're not a client, um, you can register, try it out for free. And then if you wanted to subscribe, you could do that for full access to, you know, all of the features, which, which is great. That sounds fascinating and amazing. And how do we access that app? Is it located on your website? It is. Yeah, it's a little bit different because it's a web application. So it's not something you can access through the Google Play Store. However, our website is winnipeghealthcoaching.com. And we have just launched actually a a, a brand new, I put a brand new facelift on our, our website, and it's been fully redesigned with some cool features. And so the um, the app is one of the tabs that you can actually just click as soon as you go onto our our website, um, and it'll take you right there. So it's nice and easy to access. Great. And so when you click on the link, then it opens up all the different tabs that you can click on recipes and fitness and, and so on, correct? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And is it easy enough to navigate or is it something that you or one of your coaches would help us to sort of take us on a tour, so to speak? Yeah, actually, um, interesting. You should say that because one of um, one of the projects that uh, on our to do list, my, myself and and uh, my app developer, um, is to actually create a quick uh, video tutorial on how to maximize the app. But honestly, it's very user friendly. Um, you know, come coming from me, someone who is not tech savvy in the least, I wanted to make sure that you know uh, this was really easy and user friendly for anybody uh, you know to be able to take full advantage of so you know even without a tutorial it's pretty straightforward in terms of you know you, you get to the home page and you have all your tabs right there so you just click on the recipe button and then you can select your 
you know, your category. If you're looking for breakfast, lunches and dinners, we have, you know, sauces and seasonings. We have smoothies, we have soups and salads. So there's a a whole bunch of different um, great categories, depending on what you feel like making for recipes. Um, You know, same user-friendly model with the fitness um, broken down by, you know, muscle group and and things like that. So yeah, it's very easy to navigate around. Oh, that's good to know. And then when you talk about your nutrition counseling and fitness and all the wellness components, you put together a plan. So for instance, if you were putting together a plan for me based on my age, lifestyle perhaps, or you know whatever it is that I'm looking for, you would then decide, okay, is it a calorie range that you would give us or is it more of a, or what else is involved in terms of that nutrition plan? I mean, nine times out of 10, we're going to give you a calorie range. There are some exceptions and, you know, we have to be sensitive with some, some people who, you know, when it comes to discussing calories or even doing a weekly weigh-in can be triggered in a negative way. Um, we may just bypass that step altogether and focus on the quality of food. If there's a goal of weight loss and we really focus on the quality of food and, and getting your protein in, naturally, you're probably going to lose weight anyway. Um, so that's, you know, that's a consideration. But yeah, I mean, we definitely give a calorie range because, Perception and reality are often different too. So when it comes to portion control and understanding how much you really need, you know, and what a calorie deficit really looks like, which has to happen in order for weight loss to occur, you know, that's, you know, it's definitely a a consideration. So um, yeah, caloric intake is discussed, but, you know, I think more importantly, looking at the the balance and, and the quality piece of it through like really nutrient dense options, less processed food, less eating out, less alcohol, less liquid calories. It all depends on the person, right? But um, again, you know, that those like those key action items and what we would be focusing on at the very start um, would be established through that very important, um, you know, comprehensive health assessment, you know, and then the, the weekly sessions that occur after that. Oh, it's good to know. It's good to know that there are options because not one plan works for everybody. And so it's through the conversation and finding out what the person is really looking for and then providing them with those tools. I think that's really important. I want to end off by talking about strength training because of course that's how, <laughs> that's what we were initially talking about at the beginning, the importance of strength training. So what is your recommendation for perhaps how often we should be strength training and maybe some easy ways of getting started? So I would say as a baseline and a measurable goal, um, striving for two to three times if you're just starting out or yeah, early on in your journey, uh, two to three times a week to try to prioritize strength training would be a good option. You know, if you're looking at your all of your workouts, you know, if, if you are someone like, you know, I know you mentioned that yourself, Jenny's, you know, you did cardio for so long, you know, and, and that was the, the focal point. If you're somebody who is used to doing cardio, um, you know, as a means to, to exercise, then, then trying to incorporate at least 50%, at least 50% of your activity, um, you know, towards some sort of resistance training, um, you know, and and again, two to three times a week. So um, now as far as, you know, strategies and and, and quick tips, I I want to um, make something clear because a lot of people when they think, well, see, when you talk about weight training, you're lifting weights, but strength training is more versatile. Strength training, you know, 
doesn't necessarily require dumbbells or barbells or a gym membership. So if you're somebody who doesn't have access to a gym or might be intimidated um, to venture into a gym, um, you know, right away, you don't have to. You can work your muscles and achieve the benefits of resistance training right at home. So that could be through body weight training, doing body weight squats, lunges, push-ups, planks, some of the most, you know, effective functional fitness moves don't require any weight. Keep in mind, you know, eventually you will max out of a body weight squat and it'll be too easy. Our our bodies will adapt quickly and we you know, we're, we're very resilient and, and, and often stronger than we think. So um, that is another consideration is don't do the same thing for too long. You're going to need to make progress somehow and make it harder. Um, because if it doesn't, ch- if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. But, you know, not to say, you know, body weight workouts or using a resistance band, um, you know, those are really, really good starting points. Um, there are a lot of free resources, things like YouTube videos, you know, even on our app, right? Like there's different, there's lots of different exercises that you could put together, you know, a little routine of, you know, four or five or six exercises and, and do, you know, a little 20 minute, 20 minute routine right at home. So um, the sky's the limit, whether it's home workouts or outdoor workouts or a, a class of some sort or, you know, personal trainer, health coach, or, um, you know, a gym, there's no reason why most people can't, can't do it. It's just, again, coming up with a plan that, you know, that works with, with your lifestyle and your goals and really being consistent with it. And it doesn't take a lot of time. I mean, would you say 20 minutes should do it? Or is there a rule of thumb as far as how long you should be doing it? Well, if we look at the length of time um, that the benchmark uh, standard is for activity, we want to, adults want to be striving for 150 minutes of exercise a week. So if half of that is strength training, that's 75 minutes, that's just over an hour. So you could split that up into, you know, three times a week for 20 minutes, or you could do twice a week for 30 to 40 minutes. That would, you know, be right on par with the general guidelines with that. But, you know, one thing to to acknowledge is a lot of people think that, you know, they have to work out for an hour or two hours for it to even be worth it. And that's, you know, a slippery slope. That's that all or nothing mentality that can be really, really difficult to sustain any kind of healthy living routine because no one's ever going to be perfect. And, you know, in in, in this kind of thing. So, um, So just remember this, something is always better than nothing. 10 minutes even, you know, 10 minutes could make a difference. Um, If you are shorter on time, just crank up the intensity a little bit. Take less rest time in between your sets or, you know, add some more repetitions to your set. So there's different ways to manipulate and, and modify, right, to make it challenging, even in a shorter duration of time. Okay, good to know. And it's good to know that you can fit it in wherever you can during your lifestyle. So if it works over a lunch hour, first thing in the morning, you know, in the evening, everybody has their times when the energy is at the peak. You know, some people like to do it first thing in the morning. You you mentioned about, you know, exercising while you were fasted and finding that it actually worked out to be the best workout for you versus having food in your system. You know, so maybe first thing in the morning, grab a, your runners and get downstairs or wherever you have your fitness equipment or, or, a space to do some squats and, and then just do it. 
One last thing I wanted to ask you about is where does coffee fit into <laughs> your lifestyle? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, Jenny. You know, I drink a lot of coffee. <laughs> and actually, because we were talking about fasting before, I do drink coffee during the time I'm, this is called a dirty fast is when you, you still drink coffee, like when you're, you're technically fasting, but you just, I put, you know, a little bit of stevia, no calories, um, and a little bit of, of, of silk coffee creamer, but no carbs or sugar. So it's just a little fat to enhance the flavor. So yeah, so I do technically use cream and sugar, but it's like it's stevia and a non-dairy half and half that's low in calories. So you know what? I do acknowledge this is my one vice. Okay. I've cut out a lot of a lot of unhealthy habits in my life. I am not cutting out coffee. <laughs> um, I probably drink a pot of coffee a day, but let just let me clarify. Um, it's not full caffeine. Um, you know, because it's a lot of, you know, it's, it's a lot of volume. I actually cut my coffee and I use, I do half decaf, um, just so that I'm not taking in too much caffeine because that is a real consideration. You know, we don't want to exceed about the average person shouldn't be exceeding around 300 milligrams or 400 milligrams of caffeine a day. Um, so I am mindful of that and I will offset the volume of coffee with some decaffeinated in there for sure. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a smart way of doing it. And I'm with you. I I would not give up my coffee. And, you know, when they say, well, you shouldn't have coffee on an empty stomach, you should have water, which of course is, is a good thing to do. But I don't know that I need that cup of coffee. And, you know, I put a little bit of cream, no sugar. I've never had sugar in my coffee, but a little bit of cream. And that just makes me happy. It just, you know, it sets me up for the day. And then after that, you know, I can drink as much water as I need to and then have something to eat. But I love my coffee and I'm not crazy about decaf. I haven't actually found a decaf coffee that I like. And that's not to say that it's not out there. I just need to find it. But the ones that I've tried, it's kind of like, nah, I don't think so. I'll just give me my dark roast. I don't, I don't need to cut it with anything, but it's a good tip to reduce the amount of caffeine that you are ingesting. So that that's a smart way of doing it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> well, before I let you go, tell us how we can book a consultation with you. And then what's the next steps? Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm very active on social media. So we are on Instagram and Facebook. Um, at Winnipeg Health Coaching is our handle, or you can just look up Infinity Nutrition and Health Coaching. Our website is winnipeghealthcoaching.com. And, you know, our contact methods are all on our website. So you can email, call, text. Um, the app is on there. You know, you can subscribe on our website too to stay uh, up to date on what's happening, special promo new information. You know, I do like to try to, you know, post blogs and vlogs to, uh, you know, educate and motivate people just like you, Jenny. So <laughs> that's all on our website there that you, you can find uh, all that good stuff. Okay, good to know. And you know, you motivated me to get back into strength training. And it's good to know that there are options. I love the workout that you showed us at that wellness workshop with the Dynaband. Mm -hmm. Yes, my goodness couple of tips that I, I didn't even think of trying. And so that actually made made a difference. And like I said, I got a workout and how long did we do it? Like 20 minutes? Yeah, it was 20 minutes. Yep. <laughs> Man, I felt I got a day's workout there. So that was, that was a, you know, like I said, an eye opening for me to, to want to continue that. 
That's great. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad I had that effect. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. Well, thank you so much, Shauna, for being on and sharing everything about Infinity Health Coaching and everything that you offer in terms of nutrition counseling, wellness program, wellness coaching, fitness training, and of course, all the information about the app and where to find that information. So I know that I will definitely look into booking something with you because I'd like to know a little bit more about everything that you offer because I I like to learn. and, And like I said, I know a little bit about a little bit, but I'm always looking for more inspiration and better ways of uh, looking after my body and my health. Well, I would be happy to help. It's been a pleasure being on here. And, you know, we could talk about health and wellness for hours. So if you ever want me to come back, we can chat more. I'd be happy to look at that as well. So, well, let's do that. And uh, let's book a coffee date soon. Well, we, we both love coffee. So that sounds great to me. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, Jenny. All right. Thank you so much, Shauna. All right, until next time, think about where you are on your health and wellness journey. Are there changes that you'd like to make to your nutrition, your fitness, looking at wellness in a sense of mental and physical health? And if you're looking for someone that can help you reach those goals and set you on the best path for you, I would recommend connecting with Shauna at Infinity Wellness, and I will have all that information in the show notes. Look after yourself and be healthy. Thanks so much for listening. If you like Coffee with Jenny B and want to know more, connect with Jenny on Instagram at Coffee with Jenny B. That's Jenny with a G. Until then, all you need is joy and more coffee. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at ivisonvoice.com slash podcast.